If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 13. And you see on your order, on your outline, that this morning we are at Jesus and the end times. That's our goal this morning. We'll look at the whole of Mark chapter 13 so you can pull out this half sheet of paper. And on it, we can fill out some blanks regarding Jesus and the end times. Now, the topic of end times is always a a captivating one. Because don't we all want to know how this is all going to shake out? Don't we all want to know how the world's going to end and how everything's going to work out? I mean, isn't this a topic of much conversation? As I Googled last night, uh, uh, how will the world end into Google, there were 9.6 trillion results for an answer to that question. 9.6 trillion results, and I had to Google some other things to make sure it wasn't just everything in the world's history, but 9.6 trillion results for how will the world end. On Amazon, there are over 100,000 books related to end times, but better yet, when I asked the Google assistant next to me, a little digital device next to me on my desk, I asked Google, hey Google, uh, when does the world end? She replied, I don't see anything on your calendar, so it must not be happening anytime soon. So I don't know if I take her word for it. I don't really know. But there's a lot of discussion, a lot of conversation, a lot of differing viewpoints, a lot of men and women that I deeply love and respect who would disagree about different parts of what happens at the end time, and it's okay. There's a lot of conversation about how the world will end and a lot of people believing that it's going to end at some point soon because of all the things happening all around us. And to put a little bit of perspective on where we are, I want to read for us uh, the Baptist faith and message view on the end times. It says, God in his own time and in his own way will bring the world to an appropriate end. According to his promise, Jesus Christ will return personally and visibly in glory to the earth. The dead will be raised and Christ will judge all men in righteousness. The unrighteous will be consigned to hell and the righteous uh, the pl- uh, the, into, consigned to hell, the place of everlasting punishment, and the righteous in the resurrected and glorified bodies will receive the, their reward and will dwell forever in heaven with their Lord. So we take that as some context of what we'll look at in Mark chapter 13. Again, a, a lot of texts that we'll look at this morning. But to illustrate this, I, I want to give you just a quick word. A story that I heard as a young boy sitting at a a camp or a retreat, we had an NFL player come and speak, and even as a young boy, this little story is ingrained in my mind, and as I was preparing this, that story came right up to view. I heard a story of an NFL player giving his testimony of what God has done in his life, and he was sharing a time in which he was out in New Orleans after a big win with his team. This NFL team had won this big game, and I guess they had beaten the Saints, and so they were down on Bourbon Street just having a, a big old time. Now, you as church-going people may not know this, but Bourbon Street doesn't have the best reputation, all right? It was not a place where a lot of good things are happening down on Bourbon Street, especially after dark. So this team is having a big time on Bourbon Street, just having a big old time partying and doing some things that uh, were not very good. And all of a sudden, this athlete takes off in a dead sprint back to his hotel. I mean, not just like, hey, I'm casually leaving. He takes off to a dead sprint. And the other guys around him are just kind of looking at him like, what are you doing? Did you get on the wrong stuff? Like, what is going on? Like, nobody's timing you or not doing a 40 in how many seconds? Everybody's kind of bewildered at what's going on, but they just kind of let him go. And he sprints back to his hotel. 
The next morning, as the guys came in and he's awake, just milling around, they, they asked him, Hey, where did you go last night? What happened? And he, he shared with them something in his soul stuck that he said, If Jesus came back in that moment, he didn't want to be found on Bourbon Street. He said, if Jesus were to come back in that moment, the last place that he wanted be, would, be wanted, would want to be found was on Bourbon Street in that moment. And so he took off just in a dead sprint to get away from all that. As we look to this morning in Mark chapter 13, I think there's some good truth to what that NFL player did that day. Recognizing the urgency that Jesus could come back at any moment, he took off in a dead sprint saying, this is not where I would want my Savior to find me. Right in the midst of all this, this is not what I would want my Savior to find me in and doing. So with this little context, let's look at Mark chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, either turn them on, open them up, and follow right along with me. There's, again, a lot here, but there's a lot that we need to pull away from Mark chapter 13 this morning. So let's read it and follow along together. And Jesus came out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And he said on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This may take place, but the end is not, this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of the birth pains. Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever you are given in that hour, for it is not you who will speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of the desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is at the housetop go down, nor enter into his house, nor take anything out to eat, let The one who is in the field not turn back to his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be great tribulation. It has not been been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Verse 28. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near and the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight and when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. Let's pray together. Lord, we need your help. There's a lot here that we want to talk through and make sure that we're mindful of. So teach us, lead us in your way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So you recall last week, Jesus is at the temple and he's watching as the widows come in and put in their offering. And here, sometime later, Jesus came out of the temple and his disciples tell him, hey, Jesus, isn't this a beautiful temple? I mean, isn't this a beautiful place? I know you, you turned over the tables. I know you've been a little upset with the people in here, but just look at it. I mean, this place is beautiful. I mean, this place has taken decades to build. This place is huge and magnificent and beautiful. Jesus, could you just take in the beauty and the majesty and the power of this place? Well, in response, Jesus says, do you see these great buildings? There will not be one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, for the disciples, this is a, this is a massive thought. I mean, they're looking at this building that is unbreakable, untouchable. This place has never fallen down. Jesus is coming in, riding on the donkey. He's coming to make all things right. And so for them to say, Jesus, look at these beautiful stones and look at this magnificent temple. Can you at least take stock of this beautiful place? And Jesus to say, this place isn't going to stand. This temple will surely fall upon itself. The thing is, in AD 70, it surely did. What Jesus says here would come true just a few years later that this temple would be thrown and not a stone on top of another. The first blank on your outline is simply this. What Jesus says is true. Now, I know that sounds like just a very common, obvious statement that we believe with everything in us. But at the same time, what Jesus says is true. What Jesus has told us, what he has shown us, what he has predicted for us has come true and is coming true. And so we believe what Jesus says is true. And I say that to say that when we get in discussion of end times, when we get in discussion of what's coming, what has come, we have seen over generations and generations and generations that there have been false prophets risen up. And they predict with great certainty and clarity from a word from the Lord that this is going to take place at this time in this way. And what has happened is that it has not come true. Over and over again, you've seen Uh, cults and religions and different denominations and different religions rise up and say, on this particular day, at this particular time, Jesus is going to come back, and so you've got to be prepared. And what happens? Jesus has not yet come back. And can I tell you with clarity, 
with crystal clarity, a sign of a prophet is if their prophecy comes true. And can I tell you as a group of believers that even today, people are rising up in religious ranks and world, calling out things that are gonna happen on a geopolitical level, and they're saying these things, a word from the Lord, this is gonna happen, and when they don't happen, we should listen and say flee from these people. When people rise up and give prophecy that doesn't come true, flee these prophets, flee these people. We have a word from the Lord to tell us what's gonna happen. We don't need these prophets rising up telling us things that are not going to happen and that are not true. I'm gonna tell you, even amongst our culture that we live in today, I've read about and seen about people rising up saying this is gonna happen in this particular way, the Lord has told me so. And when it doesn't happen, Friends, listen closely to what the Bible tells us about false prophets rising up and saying all sorts of things to lead people astray. And so what we see is what Jesus says is true. When a prophet makes a prophecy that doesn't come true, you run from that prophecy. You run from that way of thinking. You test the prophet by the way of the prophecy. And what Jesus has said, what the Bible has spoken is true. And so we shouldn't be unaware of this. So let's keep reading to what number two would tell us. What Jesus says prepares us. And this is going to be a lot of heavy information for the disciples. Again, they're believing that Jesus is going to come in and make all things new for them in that time period, in that place. Overthrow kings and kingdoms. And Jesus is going to ride in making all things new. So when the disciples hear that this temple is going to be thrown from stone upon stone, their minds are beginning to say, hold up. Hold, hold up here, Jesus. How is all this going to take place? What are, you, what are you talking about? So they pull him aside privately and say, Jesus, when will these things take place? What signs do we need to be looking for for these things to be accomplished? And Jesus says, see that no one leads you astray. Many are going to come and say, I am he. They're going to perform signs and wonders. But do not be led astray. And essentially what Jesus tells his disciples these guys who believe that they're about to have everything be made right, that they're going to be escalated up into some sort of leadership. What Jesus is going to tell these disciples is this is not going to get better. This world is not going to get better. What you're seeing is difficulty and pain, and what you're going to experience is difficulty. I mean, you see rumors of wars and wars and earthquakes and famines. These are not just a war or a, a rumor of a war, but wars and earthquakes and all sorts of terrible things. And you see, these are the beginnings of birth pains. The beginnings of birth pain, pains imply that at the beginning you have some contractions, but as things go along, things get worse and worse and worse and more difficult and more difficult. In fact, just this week, I was driving in the car with my dad, and we were talking about the world that we're living in and just the things happening. I just told him how, how difficult it is to think about our children being raised up in this world that we're living in. This, the sadness of what we see in the world and complied about how difficult it was when he was raising us. And we began to talk about how it probably was for every generation looking out saying, what a world that we're raising our children in. In fact, nearly every theologian that's lived since uh, 2,000 years ago has believed that Jesus was going to come back because they believed how could things get any worse than what they are right now? I mean, how many times have you looked around at this world and said, could things get any worse? 
that Jesus has indeed prepared us for this. Jesus has told us many will come. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars. These will be the beginnings of birth planes. But I want you to see closely. Look right through your Bible and what we see over and over numerous times in Mark's gospel. Verse 9, be on guard. Verse 23, be on your guard. Verse 33, be on your guard. Keep awake. Verse 35, stay awake. Verse 37, stay awake. Not just for sitting through a church service, but stay awake for what's happening all around you, all around you in this world. I mean, do you, do you see Jesus' implication of what he's trying to get across to us? Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Stay awake. Stay awake. Be on your guard. Stay awake. These things are going to happen. Church, be awake. Open your eyes to what's happening all around you. Be prepared. This is not some willy-nilly just, hey, figure it out. Go out there. Live according to your life. This is a be alert. Stay on your guard. Have your eyes open. Stay awake. Like 1 Peter 5 reminds us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so we as believers, we stay alert. We have God's word that helps us and guides us to see what is happening. And so when we hear rumors of wars and wars and earthquakes and all sorts of things, we say, man, this world is just falling apart. But we recognize that there is hope that is coming. And we recognize that we hunker down and we continue to say, Lord, help us undergird our strength of our faith in the strength of your plan and purpose. That we don't throw in the towel. We don't say this world is too far gone. We don't say this is just a mess. No, we hunker in and we say, Lord, let me be a light and a gospel hope here. When all these difficult things rage all around us, we recognize, be on guard. There is a reason daily that we put on the full armor of God. There's a reason why the scripture calls us to stand firm in the strength of his might. There's a reason why, as we talk about end times, all throughout Mark chapter 13, Jesus is saying, be on your guard. Stay awake. Stay alert. This leads us to this next portion that what Jesus says gives us urgency. As you flip down and you read the abomination of the desolation, as you read about these beginnings of birth pains and the difficulty of the things that will happen around us, you see the urgency of what's there. You see, concerning the day of the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, nor the Father. So the very next statement, be on guard. In the very end, he says, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. I mean, take you back to that NFL player. He, he believed, lest he come suddenly, I'm getting out of here because this is not what I want to find. This is not what I, find, what I want Jesus to find me doing. I mean, the natural question from what Jesus is giving to his disciples is, are we ready If Jesus were to come right now, today, are you ready? We can talk about the signs. We can talk about the stuff. We can talk about all that. But the main important question that you see in the the crux of what Jesus has in in chapter 13 is, are you ready? Do you know Jesus? Are you living in the strength of his might? Are you trusting in his word? Are you watching and waiting? What Jesus says gives urgency. That at any time, Jesus could come back. No one knows the day or the hour. And so you see, verse 36, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Because lastly, what Jesus says produces hope. 
If you see the top of your outline, John 20 just tells us there are many things that Jesus did which are not written in this book, but they're written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I don't know about you, but there are days. There are days you read about end times and you read about what Jesus says in Mark chapter 13 and you, you look up And there are days that all you can say is, Lord Jesus, just come. Do you feel that sometimes? When you look at the pain and the suffering that is just all around. Do you just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, just come. Maranatha, come back, Lord. Come quickly. Your people can't take, I mean, this is horrible. This is, Lord, just come back. Or these wars all around us are raging, these earthquakes and these famines. Lord, just come back. Please, Lord Jesus, come. Have you been there before? When you turn on the news and you see what's happening, both in our culture, but also in the culture at large, and what's happening all around the world, that you would just look and say, Lord Jesus, would you just please come back? But you see that these words are not written for our consternation, they're written to produce hope in us. First Thessalonians 4, which help us to give even more context to what we just read. First Thessalonians 4, 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, we who are left, will be called up together with him in the clouds and meet with the Lord in the air so that we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18 gives us the comfort. When we are down, when we're frustrated, when we want to just say, Lord, would you come back? We feel these beginnings of birth pains wherever we are. We feel the wars and the rumors of wars and the famines and all the things that are happening throughout the world. We feel the cancers and the pains and the sorrows of all that surround us and the days that we want to say, Lord, come on back, please, Lord. We get to verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians where Paul just simply says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Remind one another Remind one another of the truth of the gospel, the truth of what will happen. Remind one another that there will be a day where he will come again and he will make all things right. That he will come in the clouds. There will be a day where every head will bow and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But the most important question for you or I is are we ready? Do we know Jesus? Have we trusted in him with our lives? Are we ready on that final day when the trumpet blows or when we breathe our last on this side of heaven? Do we know that we are secure in the arms of our Savior? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that what you say is true. So as we read Mark chapter 13 and we recognize the signs of what will happen, or we don't want to be deceived by false prophets who will come along and spew all sorts of things to lead the people astray. 
Lord, rather than throwing in the towel on our world and giving up, Lord, we recognize that the gospel needs to be preached to the ends of the earth. We recognize that this world is not getting better. Lord, thank you that you have prepared us through your word. Thank you that you tell us to be on guard, to stay awake. Thank you that your words give us urgency. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for your coming as we watch and as we wait. Thank you that what you say give us hope that if we are in you, if we trust in you, Lord, then we have blessed assurance. So Lord, teach us, refine us, shape us, mold us into your image, and let us wait patiently. But Lord, with urgency in our hearts, with a calm assurance that you are ours. Lord, we love you and thank you for Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.